I want to know that I am living life 100% for the glory of the Lord. Even when I'm sick, even when I'm recovering, I want to know that I'm showing his love to a world. Sometimes I get it wrong on the road rage at the bridge right now because we have to leave an hour early to get anywhere right now because Ringling Causeway is crazy. Pray for us. But, um, you know, sometimes you got to get a small group and people are cutting you off. But otherwise, I want to show the love of Christ, okay? <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I want to show the love of Christ everywhere I go, even when I'm sick, even when I'm recovering. Thank you for your prayers. I cannot even tell you. That literally, when we got to the ER, Eric actually brought a bag because he knew they were going to admit me because I was so low and I was so sick. And when I got into the ER, I mean, you know, when you can't breathe, I couldn't catch my breath ever. And for about 24 hours, I hadn't been able to get catch a full breath. And so my oxygen was really low and everything was really off by the time I got to the hospital. But, you know, when you're sick, you're low, you're tired, and I couldn't breathe and, and I was dehydrated. Come to find out also, even though I was drinking so much water, my cells were just soaking up all the hydration because I was so sick and had such fever, high fevers and stuff. But I got to the ER and he dropped me off at the front of the ER. And I could not even stand up. I was walking in like this, you know. And there was an el- I had my mask on. And there was an elderly, elderly man working the welcome. And he just pointed at a wheelchair. And I was like, yes. And I started crying because <laughs> I was so tired. I was just so glad I didn't have to stand up anymore. I started crying. I cried all the way through triage. I cried all the way until my IV started working and my medicine started taking and I started relaxing and then I fell asleep. But I literally just was so happy someone was helping me and I was just crying and crying and I know they thought, bless her little heart. But anyway, but I just was so thankful. It felt like the nicest thing anyone had ever done was to give me a wheelchair last Sunday. (laughs) But literally as I was sitting there, um, laying there, just trying to breathe and just trying to rest, you were praying, and I was turning probably about the same time that the prayers for the church began, and my body started to accept the medicine and accept the help, and they were able to release me about the same time you were leaving church. And I believe that that was a help of the medicine and also the help of the Lord. And I believe, I, I'm thankful for both right now. You look at that, you see a table full of mess, and I see a sermon on relationships. <laughs> I see a sermon on relationships. You know, I said, we could really do a message on compassion, honey. You got the flu after I did. That was so compassionate of you. So compassionate of you. And um, when I was at the uh, med check on Wednesday that week, when I first got it, she looked at him and she said, she's very contagious. So you probably need to you know, not kiss as much. And I said, well, it's a good thing we kissed a lot the last two days. (laughs) And she said, no, it's not. (laughs) And so literally, I mean, I don't, I haven't kissed you since then. I don't think we've kissed. I literally, I, we haven't kissed on the lips since then. We're going to do that right after church, honey. Okay. Um, we're not contagious anymore, but I mean, we, I don't even, we barely even touched. I mean, you know, when you just get so sick, but yeah, surely a message and compassion that you got what I got. But you didn't get it as bad as I got it, which is good, because one of us needed to go get water out of the fridge, okay? <laughs> Crazy thing. I had my appetite the whole time. Never, never did I not eat, which I'm really thankful. I believe was literally the strength in my bones to keep me from getting worse last Sunday. Um, I had my appetite the whole time. I'm weird. I eat, and I don't sleep on the flu. Everybody else doesn't eat, and they don't stop sleeping. But I'm not normal. 
The truth is I was low. <laughs> she said, we know you're not normal. The truth is I got low. I got really, really low last, uh, last week, you know, before it hit me. And by the time I got sick, it, there was nothing to fight back. There was nothing in me to fight back. You know how tired I was by the time we left. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I would do it all over again. I would work myself tirelessly for this church and for my family all over again. I don't want the flu again. Don't get me wrong. But I would leave for vacation so excited and driving out of town exhausted because I knew that we had just launched a church for a year and a half. And we just, we did it and God's doing it. And I was exhausted and I used every single strength in my bones and I would do it all over again. I would start right now and do it all over again to see what God has done and to be part of what God is doing. Amen. 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 And today as we're here together, I just can't help feel that there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And that song keeps running through my mind. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. I can't sing. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. And that song just rings in my head. It's just ringing. And it says, come Holy Spirit. And I just feel it. He's here. His spirit is here, and he's going to give me everything I need for this message. And, and I'm so thankful that I can even talk. I sounded like a robot a week ago. I couldn't. I sounded like a machine. Like my voice was like, you know. And so the only thing I had was two thumbs to write the service. And I'm thankful that it was, was anointed. I'm thankful that God did it. But today is too. And this moment is his. And I'm so thankful to be standing in this moment with you this morning. And this message is about the inside of our relationships. And like I said, I look at this and I see a sermon on relationships because there's a lot of help here. There's a lot of help here. And I just want you to know that in your relationships, there's a lot of help. There's a lot of help. You just got to tap into the right help. Got to tap into the right help. Let me pray. God, we want to tap into you. We want to tie into you. We want to link into you. And so, God, in this message, be my very breath, be my very brain. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's so much help in our relationships, but I'm going to stand here and say that marriages are under attack, and you've heard me say it, but I am telling you, marriages and homes are under fire because I really believe that if the enemy can get a marriage and a home off with a child in it, a small child, if, they, if the enemy can mess up the child young, it's a long road for that child. And so this is not pressure to parents. I'm just telling you there's a lot of help. There's a lot of help for your marriages. There's a lot of help for your friendships. There's a lot of help. If you can be a bad influence in your job, that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants ripple effects of our relationships to be sour. So the impact of the Holy Spirit cannot happen. But there's a lot of help. I don't see NyQuil and steroids and inhalers. I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. You see NyQuil and inhalers, but I'm going to tell you something. You turn that back to your relationship, and what do you need? You need love. When your marriage can't breathe, when your home feels like it has run out of air, and you just want to retaliate. I want to tell you right now, it is not retaliation that you need. It is love. 
I'm sorry, but who loves some NyQuil in here? Amen. All right. <laughs> it is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is patience. It is kindness. It is goodness. It is gentleness. And it is long-suffering. And when your marriage and your friendships and your children and your coworkers and your neighbors and your roommates are trying you to pieces and it just we just want to react, I just want to encourage you there's a lot of help and it's in the spirit and it comes in the way of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And this message isn't for my husband. This message is for me. Look at your neighbor and say, this message is for me. Do not elbow your neighbor today. There is so much help in our relationships that we don't tap into because one of two things, we just autopilot. We just do what we do, what we do, what we do. And we were a little bit of a rhythm this week with some water and some medicine and some water and some medicine and some water and some medicine. But we just autopilot. Or we avoid. So we got these relationships that we're working on, right? I'm going to try to do a little bit of a, a visual here. We got relationships everywhere we go, at work, at home, at, at school, you name it, okay? We're in relationships everywhere we go, whether we like it or not. You sit down in a restaurant, you're in a relationship with your waitress now, okay? Whether you like it or not. And we're in these relationships everywhere we go. But we are living such a self-protective life. We are living so needy, and there's a million reasons for that that I might, may or may not go into in a second. But we are living such a self-protective life, and we insulate, and we push the world out, and we push problems out, and we push people out, and we isolate. We don't let people get close, and we isolate, and we don't let people get close, and we get to a point where we are so protected within ourselves so we don't get hurt that we have backed ourselves into such a tiny corner we can't even breathe. When the call to relationships has been to go and to give and to lavish and to love, the call for relationships has been to be open and available. Have you seen the cross? His airways are wide open. <laughs> but we live so protective and afraid of what's going to happen and hurt us and and we live so making sure and we always justify in our words and explaining ourselves and man what would happen if we just said come here to our husband who's difficult or to our wife who's naggy or to our children who are troubled or to our neighbor who is a curmudgeon. <laughs> or to the white man that tried to get in front of us. I know. I hear you. <laughs> or to the roommates that never do their part. Or to the coworker that's always trying to one-up. Come here. Let me see. Be like Christ. Oh, lay down my life. Oh, be like Christ. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. One more time, one more time, one more time. 
You see, there is so much help for our relationships, but we want the help to be for me. Well, I'm going to tell you, the help is for you, and it's called the Holy Spirit. The help is for you, and it's called the Holy Spirit, to give you exactly what you need so that you can love them, so that you can go in there with joy, so that you can sit down with peace. There's a song called Reckless Love. It's a good one. And it says, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. What if we became a people from the inside out that we ran into places to find people rather than protecting ourselves from everybody that could hurt us? What if we became the kind of people that ran towards joy and ran towards opportunities to sit with and be with and heal and go after, oh, but you don't know how he treats me. And I'm not telling you to stay in toxic relationships. That's not what this is about. That's a different conversation. If you want to talk about that, meet me after church. But when I'm talking about hardness and difficultness in the home, I am just telling you there's a lot of help. If your marriage can't breathe, there's a lot of help. If your friendships cannot stand, there's a lot of help. And don't you want to know at the end of the day that you did everything you could, every piece of love, every piece of joy, every piece of peace, every piece of patience, every piece of kindness left in you to make it work. Don't you want to know that if it still ends, that you did everything you could and you have no regret? That even if they still walk away, because I've been there, they walked away. But all the way through, I believed that my marriage was going to last. All the way through, I believed that he was going to get saved. All the way through, I gave him every ounce of last left of me. I never stopped loving. I never stopped believing. And he still chose to leave. But when he left and it was over, I didn't have any regrets. Sure, I didn't do it perfect. I'm not talking about perfection. But I'm talking about putting every ounce of me left. That I would do it just like that all over again. Not the first couple of years because I was drunk most of the time. But after that, after I got saved, okay? After I got saved and came to know the Lord and called to ministry. And I started that, that lifestyle of fruit of the spirit. I would do it all over again. Just like I said to you, I went on vacation. And I was ready to have fun with my husband. And two days later, I couldn't breathe because I was so tired. I had nothing to fight back. But I would do it all over again. I would pour every ounce of me back into this church. And I'm going to. I'm doing it right now. I'm going to take a nap later. Don't worry. (coughs) There's so much help for your relationships. A lot of times we'll walk into a room and think, what do I need out of this? And there's a time and a place to sit and be fed. Now, you listen to me. There's a time and a place to walk into the room and learn and grow. And I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking into situations where there's fellowship and community and friendship happening. We walk in and we want everyone to feed us. Laura and I were having a talk one time. We were talking and she was kind of in a season of really maturing. And she was about to level up. You know, we come to those stages in life where we're about to level up. And she was about to level up and I could tell it. And she was just really feeling the pressure from every angle. And the enemy was coming at her over here, and she would go into situations, and she would just feel like, you know, people didn't really see her or care or whatever. We had the whole talk, and I said, well, what if you stopped walking into a room waiting for everybody to see you? And you started walking into the room, and you started seeing everybody else. And you walked in the room, and you said, what can I give here? What can I give here? And it changed everything. And it wasn't easy, and the tension is hard, but she leveled up. And look at her. She's on our staff right now. Let's give Laura a round of applause. That's right. It's been a journey, hasn't it, Laura? 
I'm so thankful to be on it with you, honey. Well, our passage for the relationship series has been Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're going to take a look at that. What you're going to get is a picture of my notes. These are my notes. This is how I, this is how I read the Bible, okay, in some ways. But um, So I just sent pictures to Paige, and this is what she's putting up. But I'm going to walk through this with you. This has been the scripture for our relationship series. And hasn't it just been so good? Hasn't it been so good? All right, so therefore, which we know what that means. That means there's stuff before that, okay? I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so we're going to wear goggles that help us change the way we see things. We're going to wear glasses that help us change the way we see things. I was so sick last Sunday, I couldn't open my eyes most of the time. Just open my eyes, the light, all that was very it hurt. But when I got when I got better, when I was healing, I could see. And I could see clearly. When we think in terms of God's mercy, we can see. We can see clearly. It changes what we see and how we see it. It changes from walking in the room going, feed me, see me, give me, to what can I give? Who can I see? Who can I feed? In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Oh, the, when I read sometimes things flash through my head. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. And I was just thinking about the pattern of this world. I mean, the hard part with relationships and the inside of relationships right now is if you're on social media, you have constant noise about what's going on on your account, what's going on on your social media. And so now not only are you thinking about your life, you're thinking about everybody else's life too. And so what's running through your mind isn't just about your post. It's also their post and their post and their post and their post. And you see that? And sometimes that's really good because you can stay connected. But the problem is at certain age groups, we're very susceptible to needs of approval. And we become fed by other people's approval. And so we don't live life based on the, the transforming of our mind and the renewing of our mind. We live life based on the next Insta popularity. Hoping to be seen, hoping to be liked, and if not, if you don't get so many likes by a certain time, you just delete the post because then that means it's not any good. And we start thinking, not just being conformed by the pattern of this world, literally letting our mind be run by others and what we think others think. Not even what they're actually saying, not even what they're actually thinking, what we think they think. And we are no longer in thinking for ourselves. So, that's what just went through my mind when I read, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Sorry for the pause. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I believe that this can happen when we change our goggles. I believe that we will be renewed by the trans- the transformed by the renewing of our mind when we change our lens of view to God's mercy. When we turn on the humidifier and let it do its work. So we can breathe. Those airways open up. Lungs aren't all irritated. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen to me. His will is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. But I like my life. But his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. But I like the way it's going. But it won't last. His will for your relationships is good, pleasing, and perfect. So what is his will for relationships? 
His will for relationships is to be rooted and established in love. So as I was thinking about my lungs this past week, I had a lot of time to think about my lungs because I was like, all right, come on, buddy, you can do this, all right? Come on, lungs, you can breathe. If you look at a set of lungs, which I don't have a picture of, but the airways look a lot like roots that grow into a soil. And I was really thinking about that, and I was like, look at that. So our, our airways have to have good soil. They have to be open. They have to be taking in nutrients to actually help us stand up straight, right? Our airways have to be open, and we have to be able to stand up straight so that we can actually operate and breathe and live, all right? Well, you have to breathe to live. I don't know if you knew that, but you have to breathe to live. Can I get an amen? All right, because some of you look like you're asleep, and I know you're not. So here's the deal. In order for us to breathe, in order for us to live, we have to breathe. In order for your relationships to live, they have to breathe. They have to breathe soil that brings in nutrients and hydration. And there's a lot of help. If your relationship is barely standing, if your relationships are barely eyes open, what are they rooted in? What is your relationship rooted in? Is it rooted in how you feel? Is it rooted in lust? Is it rooted in such a, you're just so busy, you can't even think straight? What's your relationship rooted and established in? Are you just kind of making it through? Are your co-working relationships just because you work there? What are your relationships rooted and established in? We are called to be rooted and established in love. You listen to me. Love is the very air that helps your relationship stand. If you have been married or if you are married, you know that love sometimes kind of wanes. But to be rooted and established in a love that doesn't wane is to know the love of God. And this is not some flowery point. You listen to me. I've seen the cross. It's, it's gruesome. It's risky. I'm not talking about a love that makes you feel good. I'm talking about a love that gives yourself up for one another. I'm not talking about a love that says, oh, Valentine's card. I'm talking about a love that goes to the cross for each other. I'm talking about a love that gets the flu together. <laughs> I'm talking about a love that is sacrificial. A love that protects the other over yourself. A love that thinks of the other one first. A love that gives so th- and, you don't, and you don't take. I'm talking about a love that is cross-like. Not feel good. Not nacho fries, okay? That's some good loving. But listen, we're not talking about nacho fries. We're talking about the cross. We're talking about a love that is rooted and established in something that isn't changing and non-conforming. And I am sitting with people and their marriages are falling apart, and their friendships are falling apart. And I just look at them, and I ask this one question. I've done this for friendships, and I've done this for marriages, and I ask this one question, do you love them? And they just got finished saying, I just don't know if I can take it anymore. And I ask that one question, and every time they start crying. I mean, I do, but... Then you got a lot of help. Then you got a lot of help. 
Start there. You might not be attracted to them anymore. You might not enjoy being around them anymore. But if you will start with love, and you'll just love them one more time, and you'll just love them one more night, and you'll just love them one more day, and you'll just love them one more time, and you'll just love them one more night, and you'll just love them one more day. Watch the power of God work through your effort. God honors effort. And when we are rooted and established in love, we are in his good and pleasing and perfect will in our relationships. Do you have a troubled child that you just feel like you could just, oh, patience, kindness, long-suffering, you got a lot of help. His name is Jesus. You see, our relationships are a mess because we're not tapping into the help that we really need. We're trying to read the books. We're trying to buy the gifts. We're trying just to feel good and be happy. But the help that you need is right here. Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and long-suffering. When you've sat a little while, sit a little while longer. When you've loved one more time, love another time longer. Let your marriage be rooted and established in love so it can stand, so it can breathe. So the eyes can open and it can live. Your marriage, your family. Have you ever been in a home where there's a parent and a child at odds? Oh, it's tension. It's tension. It's tension like you can't explain. You think the marriage is bad when there's a child and a parent at each other and there's just no peace and, there's, and it's just like pride and anger and the kid is hurt and the parent is mad and the kid is hurt and the parent is mad and it's just constant and there's no unity and there's no love happening. Parents, love your kids. I know they're brats sometimes. I brought two boys up, Okay. <laughs> Listen to me. Love isn't all give. Sometimes love is teach and train, and you decide in your home what that looks like. But love your kids. We have a good, good father, and his name is God, and if he ever looked at me and said, you know what, you've been too much of a brat, I can't love you today, where would I be? He's a good, good father. He's loved me all the way. Parents, love your kids. They need you to love them. And they need to know that your love will stand. They need to know that you'll still love them even when they get it wrong. Doesn't mean you don't teach them a lesson. Doesn't mean you don't have the tough conversation. You've heard me tell some stories right here. Dallas got more spankings than I think any child ever on the planet. You may not believe in spankings. I do. You can thank me. Dallas is a good kid, okay? <laughs> <coughs> But nobody loves his mama more than that boy. One, I'll tell you a story right now. You won't believe it. You'll love it. You won't believe it. Dallas was defiant. 
He's so cool, you would not believe it, but he was the most defiant child on the planet. And it was bedtime, and we had just gotten married. And I said, it's time for bed. And one of Dallas's favorite phrases to Daniel was, you're not the boss of me. So it really mattered to Dallas who the boss was, okay? So that's a good point for you to know before I start this story. And, <coughs> and so it's time for, di- for bed. Boys, it's time for bed. Of course, Daniel's like, yes, Mom, you know, no problem, right? He's, he's, we called him the Pope at a very young age. <laughs> Puts his things away where they go and goes upstairs, gets ready for bed, takes his contacts out. And Dallas is not moving and not getting up. Dallas is time for bed. And the third time he said no. Well, what you got to know is that that was one of the first words Dallas learned literally was no, and it was his favorite. No and mama were his favorite words. And there's lots of stories about that, but no. And then I was like, okay, so Dallas, we do this every night, buddy. Like every night it's bedtime. I just want to prepare you tonight that tomorrow night you're going to have to go to bed. So it's not a no, it's a yes. Now get your hiney upstairs, right? That's kind of how it goes with us. No. I'm playing and I want to keep playing. Well, I'm going to prepare you for what's about to happen right now, buddy. We won't even talk about tomorrow night because you may not make it there, all right? So tonight, it's bedtime, and you're going to put your toys away, and you're going to go to bed right now. You do not want to do this with me. And he looked at me. He said, no. And I looked at him. I said, Dallas, because his favorite thing is who the boss is, who's the boss? And he said, I am. I don't even know why I did this. I didn't even spank him right there, okay? I grabbed his arm. I pulled him up those stairs. I dro- I drug him up the stairs. I'm just going to I'm just gonna, I drug him up the stairs. I got into the bathroom and shut the door. Why did I go all the way up there to do that? Why did I do that? I don't know. I just was so mad. I was probably giving myself to count to 10 so I didn't hurt him. We get upstairs to the bathroom and I said, "Your defiance has reached an end, buddy. You have you have disrespected me. You've talked back to me, and now you're going to get spanking." And I grabbed his arm. <laughs> And when I grabbed his arm, I guess I had a lot of tension in his arm, and he climbed the wall. I'm not kidding you. We had a door with panels on it. He climbed the door. I'm holding his arm. He starts climbing the door. He's up up here on the wall. He goes over to the wall. It's like parkour in my bathroom, okay? And he's coming back down, and I'm like this, and I'm going, and I can't catch him, and I can't spank him, and I start laughing because I'm like, what is happening in my bathroom? Just go to bed, kid. Finally, he stops, and he gets a whooping, right? I spank him. We go to bed. We talk about it, right? And we always hug and kiss, and he cries, and we make up. And the next night, there weren't any problems for a while after that. It's humorous. It's funny. It's terrible. But I knew in that moment, like, I don't know what little demon lives inside of you, but this cannot last. I love you too much to let that stay in there. So here's the thing. When I say love your kids, I'm not saying enable them to poor behavior. I'm not saying fan the flame of rebellion inside their bones. I'm not telling you to let them disrespect you. I'm telling you to give them a chance at becoming a good human being. Talk to Allie Deems or Jimmy or... Alicia or some of the young moms here that are, their kids are in school with some children that are at schools that aren't being loved in their homes. Some of you even know that story. The idea of roots 
and airways can't even be talked about with those kids. They just want to make it through the day. But I am looking at a room full of people that has an influence in their neighborhood, that has an influence in their classrooms, that has an influence in their workplaces, that has an influence in their very homes, whether it's your very home or your grandkids. I'm looking at people that are going to go back to jobs and and places in different states here in the next couple weeks all around the country, and we need people that are rooted and established in love, that are planting seeds everywhere they go, seeds with fruit of love and fruit of joy and fruit of peace, so that we can raise up a new generation of people that actually have a hope that they can stand and they can breathe and they can live. What's going to happen in 20 years when all these little children that aren't being loved and these people that aren't being loved are raised and they're adults and there are workforces? We've got to be rooted and established in love. And this sermon isn't just for marriages in this room. This is for you and your workplace. This is for you and your neighborhoods. The little children that are playing on the streets and in the neighborhoods of your, of your streets, they need you to smile and wave. They need to know that they can come to your house when they're hungry and that they'll be fed and it won't just be food. That you'll bring them to church. But forget the kid in your neighborhood. Your spouse needs to know that you love them. Your spouse needs to know that you're with them. That you're rooted and established in a love that is unchanging and non-conforming. And that you're not looking to the world to feed you, but that you have all the help you need in the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, and in our good, good Father. I want to read Ephesians 3, where Paul really talks about this, being rooted and established in love. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, it's going to go up on the screen. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he writes such a kind note here. He's praying for them, and he says these incredible words. Words to prepare them for good life, good living, and good relationships. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, listen to this, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And when I read that, I think like this. When I think of the wide and high and long and deep, and I want to say this, when you look your spouse in the eye after passing in the night 20 nights in a row, and you finally look them in the eye, and you say, hey, you look good in those jeans. I know. We say that. You might not say that, but we say, hey, what you did back there was pretty awesome. Hey, the way you take care of me, When you're passing your spouse and you just have a kind word, you just help them see how wide and how high and how long and how deep is the love of God. 
And when you're sitting at that restaurant and you can tell your waiter's having a bad day and you stop them for a minute not to correct them or tell them how bad your food tastes or how wrong it's going, you look at them and say, hey, how's your day? How can I pray for you? You just help that waiter know how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God. And when you wrap your child up in your arms and you say, that game didn't go as you planned, but I'm glad to take number 12 home with me. You teach your child how wide and how high and how long and how deep is the love of God. Even when they were prideful, even when they got it wrong. Teach the lesson. Help them to know how wide and how long and how high and how deep. And when your roommate comes home from a hard day of work, make their favorite meal. You've reminded them how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God. And when your neighbor parked in your grass, tell them to move, all right? And then bake them a cake and say, hey, I'm glad we're neighbors. <laughs> I'm glad we're neighbors. How wide, how high, how long, and how deep. And when you walk into a room and you think, I really just need somebody to see me, I pray that somebody will. But if they don't, you remember this. His love is high. His love is wide. His long love is long, and his love is deep. And he sees you, and he's with you, and you've got a lot of help. I pray that in your relationships, that you won't be looking to somebody else to make it work, that you will tap into the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness of God to be your very lungs so that your relationships can stand so that your airways can open up and so that your marriage can breathe, so that your relationships with your children can thrive, so that your coworker relationships can exist in good health. And maybe your neighbors, maybe your neighbors will come over and maybe they will come to know how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God if I can muster up the very last parts of my breath to preach this sermon, you can love your spouse. You can love your children. You can love your neighbors. And you can serve your coworkers. Today, who are you going to reach out to? Today, who are you going to reach out to? Who are you going to love today? Be rooted, be established in love in your relationships so they can stand and have a chance at health. As the worship team comes up, we're going to respond today. And here's one of the things we're going to do as we respond. You've got a prayer card on your chair. Some of you do, some of you don't. Sorry if you don't. There's somebody you're supposed to reach out to today. There's someone you're supposed to reach out to tonight. There's a relationship that needs prayer and that needs healing in your life. I'm looking around this room, and I know it. 
Maybe there's someone you haven't talked to for a while. Maybe there's someone that your relationship really is on, on the brink. Or maybe there's someone that's really starting to move away from you. Maybe it's inside your home. Maybe it's inside your neighborhood. Maybe it's just inside your family network. Maybe it's time for a new job. I don't know. But there's people there that you love and you want to stay connected to. But I'm just saying, on your card today, we're going to write down those people, those names, those relationships. I want you to do this. Now, if you feel led, I want you to bring it up here and put it in this prayer wall. This prayer wall is amazing. It's a cool little thing that someone made us. What happens is we put these prayers inside this chicken wire. And then Eric emails them out. Reba collects them and Eric emails them out to the prayer team. And every single week by name, these things are prayed for. These names, these people, these needs are prayed for. And we're seeing answers to prayer left and right, you guys. Your relationships are under fire. Would you write it down? Yes. Would you bring it up here? I pray so. Maybe you want to take it home. Maybe you want to take that prayer card home with you and just keep it in your Bible. And you just lay your hand on and pray it yourself. Maybe you're not ready to share that need right now. That's okay. But if you're willing for the prayer team of this church to pray over your relationships, to pray over those needs, please bring it up during this first song as we sing and put it in here so we can pray for you. Eric's going to be in the back. If you'd like to go to him and pray about a specific relationship, he wants to pray with you. He'll even have some oil maybe so he can anoint you and pray. And honey, if you don't have any oil, he'll have some Vicks, all right? It'll open up the airways. It might be better. The spirit, the sweet, sweet spirit we talked about is here. He's mending our hearts. He's breathing new life into our lungs and into our relationships. We have all the help we need. Let's stop looking at everybody else to be the answer for our relationships. Let's be rooted and established in love and tap into the Spirit's power and find the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and long-suffering. You have all the help you need. Root and establish yourself in love. Let's pray. God, truly, I'm standing here amazed that I didn't hardly cough and I had my breath, and it's truly your breath in our lungs. And so we turn it back to praise right now, God. I'm truly thankful that you show me a table of medicine and you give me a message, Lord. That you don't even let the flu take me out, Lord. That you keep giving me inspiration to not just help my church, but to help me. To help my marriage. To help my family. To help my relationships. This message is for me. God, we thank you that we can see visuals of airways and lungs and apply it to our life with you, that if we can just open ourselves to be rooted and established in you, that we can have all the help we need in our relationships. God, our relationships are falling apart. Would you help us? So thank you, Lord, that we can hear today that the answer is not in somebody else's hands, that my relationship results are in my hands. I'm responsible for me. They're responsible for them. And even if they decide to walk away, that I can stand there knowing I gave every ounce of love, every ounce of joy, 
every ounce of peace that I could muster up inside of me. So God, let your spirit lead us in our marriages. Let your spirit lead us with our children. Let your spirit lead us in our job situations. Let your spirit lead us in our neighborhoods and in our restaurants and the places that we go, God, because we have all the help we need. Help us to tap into it. God, and when we walk into a room, what can we give? And in our homes, how can we love more? God, help us to remind the world that we have a Father whose love is really long and really high and really wide and really deep. And it is unchanging and non-conforming. And when we take in the very breath of God, our relationships will stand. We love you, Lord, and we need you now in this hour as we respond as we seek you, and as we find you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.